All right, you guys. Acts chapter 5, verse 17 is where we're starting, if you want to turn there with me. Last week, we looked at the fact that, man, the church was exploding. You guys, for those that are visiting, we just go through a book of the Bible. We go verse by verse by verse by verse until we're done with that book. Pick a new book. Keep going. We're in the book of Acts. We've been hammering through over the past couple months, and we are in chapter 5, verse 17, but we've been looking at the fact that the church is exploding right now. Right? This is what's happening in the book of Acts. They started out with 120 in the upper room. The day of Pentecost happened, there were like 3,000 gained just that day. We saw later another 5,000 came to the Lord. This is a big deal. They're up over 8,000. We know at this point in history, they're probably a little over 10,000, right? Because those first couple were just counting the guys because they were a bunch of sexists, right? <laughs> That's just how they did it back then. And so we don't know how many people it really was, but we know it was a lot of people, thousands. You guys imagine that. Imagine what that would look like. God was doing this amazing work in this group of believers. They were all unified and serving God together. And it's this beautiful picture, right? We saw that. We saw people being healed from diseases and demon possession and demon oppression, right? We saw that last week that, man, they were even like, man, if we just get in the shadow of Peter, we'll be healed. And they were, and that's crazy. It's totally crazy. Did did the shadow of Peter have anything to do with it? No. Did Peter have anything to do with it? No. God was just doing something. And we kind of went through this whole thing of like, man, where's our faith end and what's all that look like? And, and the reality is, guys, there is an element of our faith in things. If you're around New England all your life and that's kind of your MO, can I just say something? As, as a Philly born and bred kind of like Pennsylvania guy, first off, uh, we're a better football team than you. Let's just clarify that. <laughs> long, long time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so no, but the truth is, you guys, I want to say this. There's something up here that's different. I hope you guys know that in, in the rest of kind of the world, at least the rest of this country, New England is viewed as much of a, a mission field as overseas are. Yeah. It really is. Like people look up here and they're like, these people are hard, man. They don't, they don't want to have anything to do with God. They are post-Christian as post-Christian gets. They're as post-Christian as a Muslim nation. I mean, for real, that's the way people look at it. The reality is though, These people in this church were in an equally hard area. And yet God was blowing it up, man. He was doing crazy stuff. Why? Because people were like, we want to know what this is about. And what we got going on now isn't cutting it. Following these 613 laws that we can't follow, so we have to keep sacrificing animals, making Peter really angry with us, isn't cutting it. We need an eternal sacrifice. We need the Messiah. And they found him. And it was this beautiful picture, you guys. People were being healed. And we talked about this idea that, listen, it was part of it was their faith. They had faith that God was going to move in a very specific way. But here's the deal, and it's something I'm always going to clarify from this pulpit. We are not a health and wealth church. Never will be. I do, listen, people all the time are like, if I have the faith of a mustard seed, I can move a mountain. Listen, if God doesn't want the mountain to move, you will, I don't care if you have the faith of a mustard tree, you're not going to move the mountain. The mountain will not move. It just isn't going to move. It's your faith, yes. And God wants to move through his people that are full of faith, but he's going to move how he wants to move, not how you want to move. You don't get to pick it. He does. And the more we know God and the more we get to understand him, guess what? Our prayers begin to align with his will. And then guess what? Our faith, we see things happening. Why? Well, if you start getting big britches, 
and thinking your head's too big, well, first off, you're not going to fit through our door very well. And second off, he's going to deflate your head real quick because you're going to start getting off. Man, if we just focus on the Lord and have faith in the Lord, he does do amazing things. And so we see these things happening. And I'm sure Peter was just as blown away when the person's like, yo, my leprosy's gone. And he's like, whoa, that's crazy. And they're like, man, it was your shadow. And he, I'm sure, was like, no, it was Jesus, yo. It wasn't my shadow. What's my shadow got to do with it? But we see God was doing this crazy, crazy thing. And remember that all of this came after Peter and John had already been arrested because they went up to the Temple Mount and this lame guy's like, yo, give me some money. And they were like, we ain't got money, but what we got, we give you. And they stand up, you're healed. And so in the name of Jesus, right? And so he's healed. And he went in and they were, everybody's freaking out and they, they arrested Peter and John because it was such a commotion. And what did Peter and John say when they said, hey, don't go out there and keep talking about Jesus. You need to shut your mouth about this guy. We killed him for a reason. I'm paraphrasing, they didn't say that. But that's essentially what their thought was. Like, we don't want to hear about this guy. We wanted him off the scene. Why are you still talking about him? Right? And then they said what? Back to them. Look, it's your job to figure out as the leaders, religious leaders, what you think God's telling you, but we're not going to stop doing what we know God's told us. And so they went out and they kept doing it. They did that. And, and man, when they got out of jail, do you guys remember we looked at this? The American church probably would have brought him to a safe house and told him to lay low for a little while until the, until the temperature came down in the room, right? Don't you think? Wouldn't that sound like a lot of Americans? I pray that's not us, ever. I pray our prayer is theirs. I pray that we are people like them. You know what they did? They're like, Lord, give us the boldness of Peter and John. Help us, Lord, to be bold. Help us, God, to just stand firm in you. God, help us to never stop doing the thing that you've called us to do. And by the way, bring signs and wonders along with it. And he did. He did both of them. They were growing. Let's get reading. Verse 17, half an hour. Let's do it. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. So when the high priest and his crew of Sadducees saw all that was going on, they were ticked off. They were filled with jealousy. Why? Do you remember what we talked about before the first time they were arrested? What did they say about Peter and John? Do you remember? They said, grammatoi idiota. What does that mean in Greek? Illiterate idiots. These illiterate idiots... Like, what the heck are they doing talking about this guy, Jesus? What are they doing? We know they've been with Jesus, but they're a bunch of illiterate idiot fishermen. How the heck are they gaining so much sway over our people? That was essentially what they were getting at. Here they are again. They didn't like that this group of illiterate idiots was getting all their attention. It ticked them off. They got jealous over it. And they need us to hear this. Remember that the Sadducees, of which the high priest was one as well, the entire Sanhedrin was made up the, of the tribe of Sad, or the tribe, <laughs> of the group of Sadducees, the religious leaders, and I need us to hear this, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the leadership of the Jewish people, you guys, this was the Supreme Court, the House, the Senate, and the President all rolled into one. This was the entire leadership of the people of Israel. Now, they were under Roman rule, but when it really came down to it, these were the people that they were looking to for leadership. Now, King Herod was there. I'm not acting like there wasn't other little facets to this, but religiously, these guys were it, man. 
They were the ones that set the temperature of everything. They were everything to the people of Israel. I need us to get our head around this. This group of religious leaders did not believe in core biblical doctrines. They did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe that anybody could be resurrected. Do you understand why Jesus was such a pain in their side? They also didn't believe in angels. Those were just two things they didn't believe in. We're going to get onto the humor of that <laughs> in a second. You guys, the Sadducees were this group that came about because in the, you know, the king, the era of the kings, right? They were this group, Zadok, this whole thing, and I'm not going to go into it because we don't have time. But basically, they were built up in power, and they weren't really, like, truly picked as a people that were, should have been religious leaders. They were picked as people because they generally, they were kind of the people that the king liked. And it wasn't a really good move on anybody's part. And they had grown in power, and they had all this wealth. These guys were like the wealthiest folks in the area. These guys had all the status and the wealth, and all they wanted to do was lord their power and gain more of it over the Jewish people. Does that sound at all familiar Sounds a whole lot like what we have in Washington, D.C. And I'm not picking a party. <laughs> That's kind of what these guys were. They were the big men. They had all the power. They had all the money. And they told you what to do. Why am I going into all this? I'm trying to give you the perspective of why they were so ticked off that these ragtag group of fishermen and screwed up individuals that were illiterate that didn't make it through all of the training that they had gone through to get where they got. These guys were the dummies that got sent back to their daddy to go do what daddy did for the rest of your life. These were not people that rabbis picked to be disciples, right? These were the freaks that nobody wanted really anything to do with. You were just going to live and die on the Sea of Galilee fishing. That was your life. And then Jesus came and he blew the whole paradigm. And now these guys, God is using to blow the entire paradigm up of everything in Jerusalem. This was a power and cultural dynamic, you guys, that was very set in stone, and yet here we see it being just broken to bits. I love it. Listen, I love me some punk rock and hardcore music. This is punk rock right here, and I love it. I want more of it. I want to see us be this way. You guys, God was growing the church, and it was wrecking the Sadducees on multiple levels they were losing control of their people. They were teaching this core principle that Jesus rose again, completely against what they were teaching, completely against what they believed. And not only that, but he was the long-awaited Messiah. There was this large group of converts, and the reality is, is they had all these constant healings that they had to deal with. So God was showing up in power. So they couldn't just argue on a semantics level because they could look at the Sadducees and be like, have you healed anybody? Because God's healing a ton of people. So what, what's that mean? There was real tangible life to this movement in the church, you guys. Verse 18 tells us that they put all the apostles into the public prison. They threw them all in the pokey. They threw them all into this commoner's prison. Why? Because they were trying to demean the importance of these people. Do you get it? They didn't put them like where Paul went when Paul was put into the prison of Herod. Why? Because Paul was a high-profile guy. Paul didn't just go away into the commoner's prison. He went into a high-profile prison. It was probably just as nasty and dank and 
filled with pus and all that other stuff as every other prison, but it wasn't the commoner's prison. This was meant to, to let these apostles know how, what we think of you. You're nothing to us. You are the same as a drunk from the night before. But this angel showed up. Remember that the Sadducees didn't believe in angels. So what they didn't believe, to show, believe in showed up and released them. And they were released, but I, I want us to hear what the angel said. He said, keep going. Don't ever stop sharing the words of life. Don't ever stop. Keep doing what you're doing. And I want to stop for a second and process this. A lot of times, Christians, we have the whole Bible before us, so we read it real quick, right? We read, we read three verses, and then we're like, oh, yeah, and they got out. No big deal. And that's kind of become this thing, especially in America, where we're like, well, God wants everything to work out for you. I mean, it worked out for them here. And we kind of begin to forget the rest of the Bible. And we kind of also don't stop for a second and think, man, and I want us to ask this question. Do you think the apostles knew when they were in the jail that they were going to get rescued? Honestly. I don't think they did. I don't. I, I, I mean, we see no indication that they believed that. And oh, by the way, did they always get rescued? No. If you know your Bible, they didn't. As a matter of fact, you guys, we're not going to go through it because we don't have any time. But the reality is, is every, every apostle, every one of them died horrific deaths, except one, the apostle John. And he lived a harder life because he was boiled in oil and survived it. That's crazy. I think when I was going into the vat of Crisco, I'd be like, God, take me now, for real. He survived it, you guys. And he lived an even longer life. And God only knows what his skin looked like, what his, what his regimen was in the morning. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was probably bad. It probably wasn't an easy life. And after that, he got sent to Patmos to be a slave there for a while. And I mean, that probably wasn't an easy life. There was a lot of things that went on, you guys. These guys did not live easy lives. When they were in jail, they didn't know whether they were getting out. For all they knew, this could have been the end right here, right now, and God was going to do and continue his church through the other 10,000 that were already out there still. Do you get that? God is in this moment with them, even though they didn't know that they were going to make it. Church, we need to hear this. God is in every moment with you, even if you're in the moment and you're like, man, I don't know if I'm going to come out of this. If you... If worst case scenario, you die. If you're here today and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you win. And by the way, I don't even think that's a worst case scenario. Worst case scenario would be getting boiled alive in oil and surviving it. Personally, but even in that, you win. God's going to use it for his kingdom. You guys, we tend to read the Bible with the end already in our mind. And we don't let the reality that they were walking in sink into our reality. And so we turn it into this weird thing where it's like, well, that was Peter and them. No, that's you too. That's you too. Do you realize that here in America, we are very protected, but in the rest of the world, Christian very well could be what Peter and them were going through, getting sent to jail, getting tortured, getting hurt, getting killed. You guys, being part of this church at this point already meant losing your family, losing your job, losing everything that you held dear in your life to choose Christ. Why is the American church so full of weak, anemic people? Because we don't realize the gift we've been given. 
and we don't hold on to it as the most important thing in our lives. We don't take seriously what Jesus said when he said, if you don't hate your brother and your mother and your father and hate everything, even your own life, more than me, then you can't follow me. What is he saying? He's saying this, everything else takes a lower standard to him. He's it. He's number one. So kids, you don't get to hate your parents. Don't do that. That's not what it's saying. But it is saying that, man, God is first in our lives. And if he's not first in your life, guys, can I just say something to you? You are missing it. You're missing it. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not God. (laughs) I'm saying you're missing out on the opportunity to live the life God has for you to live. So guys, it begs a question for me. When I look and I see that these people were in prison, they didn't know if this was their last moment. It was this thing. And I I think it begs a question. I think it would beg a question in their hearts. What and who are they putting their trust in? What are you putting your trust in? Do you fully grasp the reality of what Jesus did in your life? Because if you do, can I say another thing you won't be afraid of? What men can do to you? If you die, you win. If you are beat up for the Lord, you win. God will use it for his good. Okay, let's get down to the more real thing. If someone tells you to your face when you talk about Jesus that they're all set and they don't need to hear it, you're okay. You'll survive it. Keep doing it anyway. Or, like I like to do when we go out on to North Church and stuff, I've had a couple people that say, I'm all set. And I'm like, oh, really? You're all set, so you're going to heaven with me? That's awesome, so you know Jesus. And they're like, would you just F off? And I'm like, well, no, I can't, because I don't know what that actually means. <laughs> Guys, if that's the worst thing that happens, seriously, we're fine. We are okay. Why are we so weak? Why can't we just like, walk with the Lord and trust him? The name of the message today, you guys, is what are you doing with the gift? What are you doing with the gift? We see here that these apostles, man, they were arrested. Why? Because they're sharing the gift with everybody. And guess what? We're going to keep reading. They share it with everybody else. Verse 21. It says, and when they heard this, Right, The disciples go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And it says, and when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now, when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in a prison, in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what would this come to? And someone came and told them, look, these men that you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. I love this. So they apparently, after they got out, they went home, took a quick nap, whatever. They got a shower. I have no idea. Put some deodorant on. And then they showed back up at the temple like they were told by the angel, and they just kept doing exactly what they were doing before, the day before. They didn't let it stop them. And then the high priest shows up to work along with everybody else, and they sent the guards to the prisons because they're like, all right, we're in our nice clean robes. They've been sitting in their own excrement all night. They have been just sitting there, cooling their heels, and they should be fully aware at this point that we are the ones in charge, and we've got the power, and they're a bunch of losers. 
And so they're all ready and regal and ready to receive these loser prisoners, these illiterate idiots, and they go there, and there's nobody there. Right? And it says that the, the captain of the temple, listen, he had egg on his face big time, right? It was his job. And by the way, this might have meant his life. I mean, it's a big deal. But he has like this egg on his face because he comes back and he's like, I don't know. And that's all he has for them. I don't know about you, but when I read this, how many people here like the Three Stooges? Come on. Is that it? That's all the hands are? Oh, come on. Three Stooges are amazing. When I read this, I kind of felt like the Sadducees were Mo. Right? They're like, where? What is going on? And they're slapping old Curly in the back of the head, right? The guards are Curly. They're like, and the captain of the temple is like, Shemp, right? He's like sitting over there like, I don't know what to do. What is happening right now? It just feels like a good Three Stooges episode. I think God has a sense of humor, y'all. I do. You know why else I think he has a sense of humor? How did he break them out? Through an angel that they don't believe in. To do what? To go back and talk about resurrection that they don't believe in. (laughs) I think it's awesome. God's like, do you get the picture? You don't set doctrine. I do. I'm the one. This book tells us what's right and wrong. We don't tell it. Too many churches nowadays are telling it what to do, or they're cutting the parts out they don't like. Has anyone ever seen Jefferson's Bible in the Smithsonian? That man, I hope he repented of that. He took a scalpel and started cutting the parts out he didn't like. That is, we don't do that. Like, I'm not kidding. If you've never seen it, they have the scalpel he used, the Bible, and the bits of paper that were laying on the side. He was making his own Bible. God help us. We should never do that. It's his word. He tells us what to do. Period. End of story. The parts you don't like, suck it up, buttercup. And guess what? I hope you know this. If you're truly seeking to know the Lord, there will be parts for all of us that we're not super fond of because they hit home a little too close. At least that's the way it is for me. Those words that have to edify, listen, I grew up in a home where we can rip each other to shreds and I'm really good at it. I'm amazing. You want to know? You don't want to know. God's changing my heart. But it took me a while to get to that place of like, no, God, I want to submit my life to you. And I want to become a person that brings edification and, and good words to people. And I want to tell the truth in love. And I want, to, I want to love people well, right? God's gifted me with the ability to exhort people. Do you know what exhort, exhortation in the flesh is, though? A punch in the face. That's the flip side of that coin. So I'm constantly going to God and be like, oh, Lord, teach me, help me, grow me. Help my words to be words that you want spoken and nothing else. That hits close to home to me. What about you guys? What's your pet sin that you go to the word? And you're like, I don't like that part, God. Can I just encourage us all? Don't be like the Sadducees. Don't come in and tell God what you believe. Let God inform your belief. Believe in God and let him change your heart, man. That's the way it should be. And unfortunately, we have way too many churches. We have one right down the road flying flags and saying, well, this part of the Bible doesn't. Yes, it does count. And by the way, it's the most unloving thing I think we could ever do to any human being to look at them and say, man, you're a sinner just like me. Come join the rest of us freaks and let God work things out in your life, right? That's what I think we should be doing. All lives matter. God's not just worried about one set of them. God loves all. And we are all a bunch of sinful freaks. And if you're here today and you don't believe that, well, you're wrong. 
You just are. And I don't mean that in any way other than to say it's the truth, man. That's, that is the very beginning of salvation is recognizing that you're a screwed up sinner. Right? Isn't it? Every one of us, me included, had to get to a place in my life where I'm like, man, I, I'm not doing very good at this. I kind of stink at this. God, I'm giving it to you. And he took it. And he, he's doing something here. Is it fast enough for all of you? Probably not. I bet you wished it was a little faster. I do. But God is so good. And you guys, here they were, being shown, these Sadducees being shown that God is a doctor and maker. Jesus was resurrected from the dead, whether they believed it or not. Angels were the ones that released the apostles, whether they wanted to believe it or not. God is who he says he is, and Jesus came and died and rose again for all of you. And if you're here today and you don't believe that, it doesn't change the truth of it. Chapter, or verse 26. Let's keep going. How are we doing? 10 minutes. Let's rock it. So then the captain with the officers went and brought them. So they went out to the Solomon's porch, right? They went out and found where they always were. It says, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, and you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So we see that the captain of the guards, they were afraid of the people. They were more afraid of the people than they were of God, because if they truly thought they were doing God's work, what are you so afraid of humans for, right? If you're doing what God wants you to, then you're doing the right thing. Do it. But they were afraid of these people. And it's a sad reality that the, you guys, even the captain of the guard and all these, these people, by every intent, for all intents and purposes, were viewed as more religious than the regular people that come in, and yet they acted less godly than the rest of the people around them. Because the rest of the people were open to say, man, what is this about? I want to learn. I want to have an open heart to, to maybe receive what this guy Jesus did and, and who he is. And these guys were like, I'm doing my job and I'm, I'm the one that's right and I'm going to do this. And so here they were afraid of these people. And I'm sure they were shocked to see the apostles standing there. And I'm sure the apostles were telling the story. They were giving the testimony. Dude, an angel came. We walked, like, how did that work? Did they walk through the bars of the, of the door? Or how did they, I have no idea what happened. But they went out and they're like, yeah, we went in and put our old spice on and we came back out here like he told us to and we were just going, man. And we're doing it. And now all the people are like, whoa, that's crazy. That's nuts. And so they came and they didn't want to have any fight because they knew that too many people were kind of on the side, so to speak, of the apostles. And I want us to stop for a second. Do you guys see the amazing life that these apostles are living just because they're choosing to be obedient to God? I love it, you guys. I want that life. I want a life that's at the end of my life, whatever it ends up looking like and however I die and whatever happens, then I want a life that people are like, that guy lived it for the Lord. Like that guy gave it all, man. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Listen, my, I grew up around street rods. I want to get to heaven with no, tank, with no gas left in the tank, the wheels on fire, the engine burning, and me be like, woo! That's how I want to get to heaven. I want to get there with nothing left, man. You guys, these people were not concerned about their social standing. They were just following Jesus. They weren't worried about what people could do with them. Trust me. They've already been there. They were fine with that. They weren't concerned about their tidy, comfortable life. As a matter of fact, you guys, they were not living a tidy, comfortable life, especially the disciples, for three and a half years already. 
This is just a continuation of what they already were doing. They're like, Jesus, you're it. This is my life. They brought him back in peace. The apostles had another opportunity to speak the truth and love to the leaders of the Jews. You guys, what do we see here out of all this? We see the same thing we see today. People that are religious, here's what I mean by religious. I need, you to, clar- I need to clarify this. I don't mean churchgoers. You realize there's a, many atheists, religious atheists. They're religiously atheists. They know there's nothing else after this life, and they will religiously tell you that. They're religious humanists. I'm going to pull myself up, and I'm going to just ask the universe for some special power. And I'm going to live my best life. That's a religion. It's religious. There are religious scientists that say, I'm going to figure out everything and show everybody else that this is all there is, which is not what science was created for. Science was actually created to show that God created things, and we want to know it, right? There's all these things, you guys, that people are religious in. So when I talk about religious here, I don't want you to hear people that go to church. But there are also religious people that go to church. They tend to argue about the color of the carpet and stupid things that don't matter, right? You guys, just people are more concerned about how they look and what people think about them. Would we all agree? That's pretty much what people are... In this world, people are very concerned. Listen, I used to... When I was in the military for 14 or 15 years, you would go and I would designate, I would be the designated driver. And, it, and it's sad because the more people would imbibe alcohol and take alcohol in, do you know what they would get more and more worried about? What they look like. And I'm like, well, you look like an idiot. You started off not looking like one, but now you're getting to be more of one. Good job. Dink. With my Coca-Cola. <laughs> people are worried about it. And I'm not minimizing that because I think we all are to an extent. Can I tell you something, though? There is such a freedom in walking with the Lord because you know what I'm more worried about and what I find is that followers of Jesus that grow more and more in who Jesus is, you become more and more concerned about how God's getting glory through your life. And you become more and more concerned about how people around you, what they know about who Jesus is and how you're living a life that's showing them that. That's what you become concerned about. And your life becomes so much less about you and you start to begin to realize that it was never about you to begin with. You were just being sold a bill of goods that you thought it was. I'll take this life any day. You guys here were the apostles standing in the principal's office. This place that was meant to intimidate and cower them. And they were asked this obvious question. Basically, the Sadducees were like, haven't we already covered this? Like, Peter and John, you were right here, and we already told you to shut up and stop talking about this guy, Jesus. Would you lay off? We've already covered it. What are you doing? And that's what they were asking him. And I think right after that, they say something that to me, (laughs) listen, I want us to be a church that as the world continues to go to hell in a handbasket. By the way, there's a far side that I just found that was hilarious that I downloaded that I did think about putting on Facebook, and I may. But it was, it was Satan, and he was in hell, and there was all this fire, and then there was the world in handbasket, and it came flying in from the left-hand corner of the thing. And it said, well, that took longer than I thought. <laughs> Come on, guys, that's funny. <laughs> you guys, I think I want to be a church that, that what's said here can be said of us, that we filled the whole seacoast with the teaching of the gospel, that everybody knows that the freaks that go to Awaken Great Bay, that they actually believe that this Jesus guy came, died, and rose again. And that's their life. And they're going to ride and die on that one thing. That is it for them. 
And as it gets worse and worse and worse, and as we get closer to what Canada is going through right now, where people are being arrested, listen, I'm just being real, and I've said it before. I said it during COVID when we opened a little early, which, by the way, we called the Dover Police Department, and they're like, we've got way bigger fish to fry. We're not worried about it. But the truth is, as I said to people then, I said to my board, listen, man, if I get arrested, somebody else better get up here and keep teaching. Because I mean it. Who cares about me? You guys, they said, you filled all of Jerusalem with this teaching. I would be like, can you print that on a sticker? I want to wear it. Right? Can you make a patch? I'd love to put it on my jean jacket. Real big. Yes. Dude, what's the gospel message, you guys? What are we sharing with people? That we're a bunch of loser freaks that are sinners. That's it. I know, it's hard to hear, but it's true. We're all sinners. We're all screwed up. We are, are not, none of us are walking perfectly. If you don't believe it and you're married, look at your spouse and ask them. They'll tell you. <laughs> if you're not married, go talk to your friend. They'll tell you. We're all messed up, aren't we? I mean, really. We really are. I think the church gets it wrong so much because we put all our plastic pieces and we're like, we're perfect. You're like, no, you're not, man. Now you're lying about it. That's even worse. Stop lying. You guys, we constantly screw up. We constantly are sinning these selfish, sinful ways that we're doing things. But we believe that Jesus is who he said he is. He's, a, he's not just a liar and a lunatic, because that's the only other thing he could be. He's either the Lord of your life, meaning he died and rose again, literally fulfilling everything he said he would be, or he's an absolute liar. He can't just be a good man because good men don't say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one can get to heaven except through me. No one. I'm not going to believe somebody if they just die and don't rise again. I'm going to be like, you're a liar, dude. We're going to read about that next week, this idea that Gamaliel goes into, he's like, hey, there have been other liars that said the same thing, and it all just died. Read ahead. But you guys, the truth is, and I want to finish up here, verse 29, let's finish up real, real quick. It says this, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The exact same answer he gave before. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader as leader, master, Lord, and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Peter had already talked to the Sanhedrin, and he said the exact same thing. Like, man, it's, it's your job to figure out what you think. I'm going to do what God's called me to. And he goes one step further. He says, basically, like, look, you hung him on a tree. You don't want people to know the sin that you committed by putting this guy to death, but you did it. And the first part of coming to a place of repentance, of turning and walking away from your stupid sin, is admitting your sin. And man, we stink at admitting our stuff because we're so freaking proud, man, aren't we? We are. I'm, not, I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not, man. You're not a good person. You've been a jerk at least once in your life. You've probably been a jerk today. And if you haven't, it's because you've only been awake a few hours. <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> Why did he say here? And I want to, real, real quick, you guys, I know we're running just a skosh late. We're not yet, but we're going to be. Um, it says he killed him by hanging him on a tree. 
Flip over with me or you can read online. Just Actually, just read up here. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 22. God said this to the people of Israel. He said, and if a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. Listen to this. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance. What was he saying? He was like, man, this matters. It matters. And so I want you to hear this. Peter was using this terminology instead of saying, man, you put him on the cross, you, you, because you, essentially it was a big tree. It was a dead tree, but it was a tree nonetheless with a cross on it, right? So he, he was hung on a tree. But the idea was, and what he was trying to hearken him back to, these Sadducees was Deuteronomy and saying like, you did this. You called this perfect, sinless man cursed by God. God in flesh, you called him cursed. Own it so you can repent, own it. You did it. And by the way, we don't get to look at the Sadducees and say, man, you losers. What did you do? You did it too. And I did it too. I'm a sinner. I put them on the cross too. So we don't get to just look at other people and be like, oh, tisk tisk." No, you own your junk. I need to own my junk. And I have. And there's so much freedom in saying, here, take it all. I don't want it. And he takes it. It's awesome. You guys, Peter was just saying, look, we know this happened. Like we saw this happen. And we know because we went to the tomb and it was empty. And we got to talk to him. And I can imagine Peter being like, he made me fish. I ate with this guy. He asked me if I loved him three times. Like, I know he's alive, and you can't tell me otherwise because I know it, and I'm telling you, if you're here today and you've accepted Jesus into your heart and the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you, you have the same knowledge. I know that I know that Jesus died and rose again, and I will die believing that. So you cannot tell me otherwise. You can't. You guys, next week we're going to see Because I think what Peter just did here for these religious leaders a second time is the most loving and compassionate thing he could have ever done. He told them the truth. You guys are sinners and you're screwed up and you need Jesus the same way we do because we're sinners and we're screwed up. Church, let's not be a church that's like, man, you guys are all messed up, but look at me. No. Please don't. Please, seriously. If there's one thing I want our church to be known for is that we recognize who we are, a bunch of freaks that know the one that can fix it. That's it. It's not our team versus their team. It's our team wanting to make our team bigger. That's it. Guys, next week we're going to see the result of this love and compassion that Peter brought forth. And so I would encourage you to read ahead. If you're here today and you've never confessed your sins, you've never owned the fact that you're a sinner and you're screwed up like the rest of us, It's not rocket science, you guys, but it is the most important decision you ever make in your life because there really is a place called heaven that God is residing in, that Christ has gone to to make a home for everyone that's going to accept him. And there's really a place called hell. And by the way, hell was never meant for humans. Hell was meant for the demons. But humans, sadly, choose to say, I don't want God. I'm not going to accept the door of which to get through. 
it would be like someone coming to your house and saying they're going to crawl through your master bedroom window. And you're like, yeah, no, no, you're not. Because that's weird. But they just sit and insist outside your house that they're going to get through the bedroom window until they die. Did they ever get into your house? No. It's the same thing with God. God is the door. Jesus is the door that God set up. He's the door in. You've got to go through that door. It's not rocket science. But if you choose not to, there is a real place called hell. And that isn't something God ever wanted for anybody. It was set up for the demonic realm, but guess what it is? It is literally utter and complete eternal separation from God. And if that's what you're asking for, well, he'll give it to you. Not because he wants to, but because we have free will. So if you're here today and you haven't accepted the fact that Jesus died and rose again, it's not rocket science. My prayer of salvation was, God, I suck at this. Would you come in and fix it? That was it. And he did. He, he is fixing it. Next thing I want to say, for everyone here that knows the Lord, can I just say something? If you've already accepted the Lord, what are you doing with the gift that God's given you? What are you doing with it? We're coming up to Christmas. We don't give gifts because Santa Claus came down the chimney, even though I'm all about Santa. I really think it would be cool if there was, if God invented some weird, crazy Santa that could float down a chimney and not burn his butt every time he got to the bottom. That would be awesome. But that's not really why we do it all, is it? No, we do it because we have the eternal gift of salvation that Jesus brought us by being born here on this earth for us, right? We have the example of the wise men bringing the gifts, but that's really not the point. The main point is we, Christians, have a gift that is eternal that he said, give it away, give it away, you guys. That's the point. We're supposed to give it away. We can never give it away more than we have it. Does that make sense? We're never going to lose a piece of our salvation when we give the, the, the word of salvation away, the gospel away. No, we can't. It's that big, you guys. And so my question is, what are you doing with the gift? Church, I want to be a church that gives the gift away so freely in our workplaces. And we're not worried about what people think. And we're not doing it like the Westboro Baptists and being like, God hates whoever. No, that we're saying, God loves you. He made a way for you through Jesus. I'm a freak. You know me. You're a freak too. Do you want to know this Jesus guy? And watch what he does. That we do that with our family members and with our friends and with everyone around us, you guys. I want to be a church that's known for that. And I don't want it just for this church. I don't give a hoot about this stupid church. What I want is God's church to rise up. His people to rise up. And I don't care who gets the notoriety of it. Who cares? God is glorified. That's what I want. I want everybody in the Seacoast region to be a little frustrated with us if they don't like it. Because they're like, man, why do you keep talking about this Jesus guy? Because that's all I got, man. He's the most important thing. Do you know him? You don't want to hear about it today? Well, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you for staying late. Let's pray. Lord, I, your word is so alive. And God, here we are looking at this old scripture and saying, man, I don't know, Lord, I would love for you to just wreck our worlds and get us out of our comfort zone and do crazy things, God. And I I don't want jail, of course, Lord, but at the same time, Lord, I want you to move in such a way, Lord God, that that the, the principalities and powers are a little ticked off and they're not just satisfied with us. I'm not asking for it, God, but I am asking for your movement in our lives. I'm asking, God, that you would make us a people that desires you over all things. 
God, that as we come into this time of Christmas and celebrating your birth, Jesus, that we would recognize that you gave up so much more by leaving heaven to come down here with us freaks than we could ever give up by giving up our entire lives. Lord, you are more. You are worthy of everything. You are worthy of the very breath we breathe. God, we just sang that today. Lord, I pray it wasn't just words. Move in us. Change us, God. Have your way in us, Jesus. Make us a people that are just just hard fighting, Lord God, to see your kingdom. See your kingdom, God, be raised up, Lord, to see it, Father, made famous here in the seacoast area, God. I pray people, Lord God, would realize that they are not all set without you. God, truly, Christians are the only ones that truly are all set. But God, I pray, help us never to be complacent. Be with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Awaken Great Bay in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our church or need prayer for something in your life, connect with us at awakengreatbay.com.